All right, here we are at episode four of Civil Tension, Conversations with Contentious Intent. We are civil, not polite. We are civil, not politically correct. The conversation you're about to listen to may contain language and subject matter some may consider offensive. Do you know what happens when you become offended? Nothing. You're going to be okay. Really, it'll be all right. I'm your host, Peter Galt, here with our co-host. Would you please introduce yourself? John Guancy and Tom Sellers. John and Tom, as always, thank you for joining me here. And while we encourage and thrive on contentious, escalated, highly spirited conversation, we encourage our committed conversationalists to remain mindful of name dropping. The names of people, places, and things may be changed to protect the innocent, the not so innocent, and mostly ourselves. And uh, with that said, would our conversationalists please introduce themselves? I'm Wayne Beyer. Dan Sweet. And Denny Hennessy. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, I know we floated past uh, the group several topics of conversation uh, for this week. And what actually came out on top, what wound up getting picked, uh, is the subject of socialism. And why actually do... Does it seem that uh, Generation Y, the Millennials, and Generation Z, uh, who are all late teens to early 30s, why do they talk up socialism while seemingly ignoring their daily contribution to our very thriving system of capitalism? Uh, bear in mind that Gen Y Millennials are commonly uh, recognized as being born from 1977 to 1994, coming of age uh, right around 1998 to 2006, and Gen Z uh, have been born between 1995 and 2012, uh, coming of age right around now, 2013 to 2020. You know, I'm going to go to to John first because this was actually and I just you know what I just broke my own rule I just tapped the dang table didn't I <laughs> so everybody listening that was my fault um, but uh, John you actually threw this topic out uh, for you know consideration and, and and it won so what put this in your mind basically what what put it in my mind I was listening to talk radios I tend to on a, on a frequent basis and what really was being discussed at that point in time is the fact there was a tremendous disconnect and that young people are not consistent with how it is they live their lives in terms of their commerce with when it compared to their ideology or their ideology and that they uh, go to the local uh, locally owned establishment after attending the farmers market uh, go down there and drink their craft beer while doing whatever they're doing on their iPhone or their electronic device of choice and then they proceed to go out and protest the very institutions that make their lives possible and the reason that it, it came to came to mind is so near and dear because if we don't reestablish a direct connection between the reality of our lives and what makes our lives possible and our political leanings and our trajectory in terms of what the future is going to look like, eventually what's going to happen is they are going to inadvertently, they're going to strangle the goose that lays the golden egg. They're going to suffocate the, uh, the engine of capitalism and they're going to stuff a sock in the exhaust, they're going to put an orange in the intake and the thing is just simply going to die. And then they're going to wonder, well why don't I have 
my this? Why don't I have my that? What happened to, why did we go, again, following the type of cycle, going from slavery and bondage back to slavery and bondage? And once the flame is snuffed out, as history shows us and tells us, dictators are hard to get rid of. And the concern really is that, and I think Reagan is one that said it, we're only a generation or two away from losing democracy, our republic. And I think that we are within that generation or two. Understanding that all people, when they're young, they're idealistic, they're not paying taxes. If you're young and are not a socialist, they say you don't have a heart. If you're coming of age and you're middle age and you're still socialist, you don't have a brain. That's the, I think Churchill said that. I'm not so concerned, I'm not so sure that this, these two generations are going to develop brains. <laughs> so. If I could weigh in just a second, I, I believe that this generation will come to understand capitalism just in light of that. If you look at some of the big influencers on social media these days, most of them are considerably younger than we are. A lot of businesses are, are, start, are starting up by people considerably younger than we are, online, books being written, things like that. Now. Are they what I would call a capitalist in the traditional sense of the word? Probably not yet. I would call them capitalists in training, for lack of a better word. Will that equate to, to different voting registries because of it? Time will tell, I suppose. I, I think what we're seeing is a big shift in the way people get information. Uh, millennials do not watch news programs. We already know that. They get their news online. Now, we can argue all day and argue successfully to be either side of it. What they're actually seeing is actually what's going on. And very few of them, I can tell you from experience, will check more than one source. So their talking point is where whatever they're seeing. I do believe, though, and I have to look at it from this standpoint, it will change. These kids will want to have more information than what they have. I think at some point they will get tired of hearing the same rote uh, you know, hate the administration type stuff. They're going to want to get answers of their own. So I think over time, and how long that time is, I couldn't answer. I think we will see a big shift. Hopefully it's more comfortable than it is now. I think maybe you're right, but it seems to me that they don't, the younger generation that's coming behind us doesn't even really truly understand what socialism is. I don't think they get it. Um, because they're using the talking points that they're hearing and not doing any investigating past that is my theory about that. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. Uh, even talking with my mother who is, she and I are completely opposite in our political ideologies. Um, you know, she was born and raised in England uh, right around the time of uh, World War II. And she, you know, England was and is a fairly liberal country. Uh, and I think they went that way because prior they were a monarchy. You know, and they still have the queen. Uh, the queen still, royalty still has certain authority and certain abilities, which they graciously refrain from exercising. And I don't think that these kids understand what actual socialism, which seems to always or historically devolve, what we term as devolve into communism, 
I don't think they get it. I don't think they understand. And you know, one of my kids' uh, middle son is in college now, and he and I debate rather fiercely. And sometimes I intentionally push his buttons, and I think he intentionally pushes mine. So it would be a contentious conversation. <laughs> yeah, probably a lot more than maybe we've been this morning. It, it also drives me up a wall when I see kids come to, uh, come to the job market with this sense of, of entitlement, which, you know, from the gig economy, the gig point, they don't want to work the way we understand work. And that's actually okay. You know, it's, it, it has not been fun to put in 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And, you know, when you're a business owner, a small business owner, there's no such thing as vacations. There's, you, even as an employee, you, you show up, you do your work, you do what you're told, or you go find a job somewhere else. And, you know, the younger generation, it, they don't like that. But I think, again, that's part of that coddling thing yep. when, you know, they got rewarded just for showing up. Hey, I showed up today. Aren't I wonderful? No, not really. You're freaking annoying. Um, but that, again, I believe And I'm both generalizing, fault. but... Yeah, I yeah, believe that's ahead. our fault. How many of these kids, and I've interviewed tons of them in, in a previous life, how many of these kids saw their parents, i.e. us, leave the house at 7 o'clock in the morning or earlier, not return home till 7 o'clock or later in the evening, and, and formed an opinion at that time based on, Dad's not here to hang around with me, Dad's not here for me, uh, you know, I am not going to live my life that way. How many of those kids do you think implanted that seed in their head at that point and are manifesting it today? And it's okay for, for them to work multiple jobs remotely from home from their tablet whatever the case is whatever generates positive cash flow I mean that's that's okay that that's not the issue the issue is is the idea that socialism okay and to forcibly confiscate wealth from one person and give it to another person Churchill if you read this book by Dr. Larry Arnn of Hillsdale College about Winston Churchill. It's a fabulous book, but Churchill argued vehemently and fought vehemently with the Fabian Socialists in England. Their, their stated desires weren't too terribly different, but the issue of how it is a person achieves those ends is radically different. And the simple fact is, is that some socialists want people to have that safety net. Others look at it as a genuine power grab. And there is a difference between the feel-goody socialist type and the genuine Marxist, who is just really socialist as a Marxist light. There are genuine motivational differences there. And the simple fact is, whether it's a person who works three 20-hour jobs a week and does whatever and generates positive cash flow and this and that, and they're buying and they're doing what they're doing, hey, that's fantastic. The gig economy, great. Do what you got to do. But then to turn around and say, I want to forcibly, by the power of government, the authority of government, take from you to give to you without your say-so, it's not okay. And so you have these people at the bottom, the young people, it's not too terribly, their opinions aren't too terribly different than the folks at the top. How many billionaires are socialists? George Soros, right? Zuckerberg. Uh, go down the laundry list. Many of them are socialists. Why? Because they're not going to actually feel the effects of their policies, of the things they're supporting. 
Because they, they've got the money, they've got the lawyers, they've got well, the accountants, all people making a lot of money to protect their wealth. While it is they proceed to peddle influence that will affect the people in the middle. The people at the bottom are unaffected, the people at the top are unaffected, but the affected class in the middle, mainly the people around this table, i.e., we're the ones who are going to bear the brunt of these socialist policies and this intellectual disconnect. And that's and I think they've they've romanticized communism and socialism. But that's where a lot of the young. I mean, they they wear the shirts with Che Guevara mm-hmm. or you know the Castros. I mean, because they've been romanticized. Where that's that's where things fail. I mean, what we're seeing today is the greatest economic lesson. I think the young and people on the left can can experience because it's showing if you give money back and let the businesses and the people have it. Things get better. You know, just yesterday, Lowe's announced big bonuses and, and benefit increases and other things to their employees. But uh, Twinkie, Hostess, bonuses, other things. You know, I see it in my business with, as the um, I love unemployment level goes up, you can't go wrong with a Twinkie. As the unemployment level, it's, it's back in the worker's hand, the, the power's back in the worker. I, one of my large manufacturing clients are having trouble finding people for the factory which isn't like the steel mill of 1930 that my grandfather worked in. You know, it's a, you could eat off the floor kind of, it's a manufacturer, but you could eat off the floor because Amazon opened their distribution center in Wisconsin and a lot of the people that would normally be coming to the factory are going up there to work. You know, but so what happens? They have to raise, they have to raise wages, they have to raise men. It's capitalism, supply, demand, you know, the, the, it, it gets better for everybody as the economy. So I think as the young, they, they start, no matter how hard the left and the media, the propaganda machine, push that capitalism is bad, capitalism is evil, the Republicans and their policies, when it's when it starts coming into their paychecks, right. it starts to, uh, well, starts to you know, you're saying this, but I'm not seeing this. Right. So let's. So I want to push. I want to push back on something. The, the 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 thing that scares me the most is the fact they're not willing to engage in the conversation. Yeah. It's and and that and again we, we I mean we talk about the the effects of the thing that's wrong. That that is they they vote one way they buy another way. Those are effects. Mm-hmm. The root cause is that they're not willing to even engage in the conversation. I had a conversation with a young, a young, a young uh, female recently. I happened to be related to her, right? <laughs> okay, and 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 she says, "You want me to be a conservative? You want me to be X, Y, and Z?" And she laid out a whole lot of labels that she connotatively associates things with, meaning to words. Okay, great. She says, "That's what you want me to be." And I said, "Absolutely," because I think it's what's best. But. More than that, I want you to be willing to engage in the conversation, the debate, to step into the ring and say, and always debate within yourself, what is the best way to live? Is this the best way to live? As a free people with liberty, we should always debate, what is the best way to live? We are not having that debate. Young people are not having that debate. I say that with a broad brush because that's what we do in conversations like this. Many, there are some young people that are having that debate. But when you have young people that are romanticizing Antifa, when they don't see the differences between the, the, the differences which are minuscule or nil between fascism and communism, six uh, under pr- principles versus ten pillars, there aren't a whole lot of differences except for maybe immigration and borders. That's really about it. One being national, one being without borders. 
Okay, so they're not willing to engage in those conversations. I hope Denny's right when it comes to the matter of, hey, when they start to see those bonuses hit, when they start to see, hey, now I can buy an iPhone 10 instead of being stuck with my iPhone 8, I would hope that that's the issue. But again, I don't think that it's the material wealth and the chasing that material wealth. I don't think that's what brought us our liberty. I don't think the material wealth brought us material wealth. It's an outcome of something much deeper. Okay, so here's, so here's the... Here's the, the Titler cycle. We talk about this on a frequent basis. Here it is. Bondage, spiritual faith to courage. From courage to liberty, liberty to abundance, to selfishness, to complacency, apathy, dependence, and back to bondage. Ladies and gentlemen, I will submit to you that the material wealth that we have and our liberty that we have is not a result of itself, but it's a result of our spiritual faith. And as we proceed to lose that spiritual faith, and the liberty which is afforded through our Constitution, granted by God but confirmed in our founding documents, as we lose that, we will eventually lose our material wealth. We will eventually return back to bondage. And I'm afraid that there's only one way to shake that, is for people to get to that point where they lose just enough, where all of a sudden there's a cold bucket of water. Like, Wait a minute, what's happened here? And then maybe the, the corner can get turned a little bit. Didn't we see a little of that in the last election? I think, I think so. so. Yeah. I think so. And I think I, you know, to your point, John, and I hope I'm right about this. I, you know, I kind of label myself as the eternal optimist on most things. But I would, I would wonder if, when we say that these young people are not engaging with us or engaging within the conversation, history repeats itself. I gotta believe, because I was a little kid at the time. During the 60s, kids felt like they weren't being heard, much the same as perhaps our kids feel today. So does that mean they stop talking? No, it just means they're talking to each other. Will that, will that conversation work its way up? Well, I, again, I, I have a relation similar to you, Peter, that uh, I speak with a lot of times. And no, she does not hold my, uh, my political views or, or, or compass on how I do things. Am I unhappy with that? Not really, because she has her own opinion. I'd rather have her own opinion than mine. However, though, when we discuss things into, uh, into fact versus talking points, that's kind of where the conversation breaks down, kind of back to the point that I made earlier. And I, will, and I will question her on that. I'll say, where did you get that information from, and is that your only source? And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. And I think people are going to, I think these young people, again, eternal optimism here. I think these kids are going to get it at some point. I really do. Will they be uh, modeled or molded after what we are today? Probably not. Much the same as the kids of the 60s and 70s were not the, uh, the molded and modeled of the 40s and 50s. Things have moved a little bit. I just hope that they don't move so far that they become unrecognizable. Well, I hope that they move, uh, if, if they're going to mold, let's hope that they mold uh, before we lose, they lose the ability to uh, have the conversations that we're having today. Uh, if, if, we don't, if we don't show them um, or even speak to them, try to speak to them, because I know my son and I uh, at times are well, we can argue over the color of a blackbird, and that okay, generally blue. That, <laughs> that that will generally um, uh, give us uh, thought uh, later on 
uh, whether or not we're we agree in that conversation, but in that time space, while we are while we are discussing, sometimes we get a little more heated than we should, and I'm quite frankly I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm guilty of, of that. Um, I I know that those types of discussions though are important because now I have learned from him uh, and I have learned as you say from you know they're talking to each other but now they're talking they're also talking to us and whereas uh, I knew in, in uh, when I was growing up it was very hard to approach my father uh, my older brothers didn't even want to talk to him because they felt he was an unreasonable man. But I got to know him more than they did, and consequently, he and I talked. And it was a lot different. There was a lot, di a lot of him that, that uh, I thought I knew him best in the family, uh, of anyone in the family. Uh, so I think, there's, I think there's hope. I think there's just the, the uh, I just hope that the, as you say, the opportunity is for them to to see the uh, for us to see this before uh, it it falls apart. Yep, I think um, listening to everything you guys said, there's so much you know that you can you can talk about here and unpack. Uh, but the idea of hope, I I would say, I've worked with a lot of millennials, and I would give them a little bit more credit. Um, realize when you were coming into your adulthood you weren't watching c-span either likely maybe you were I, you know i don't know right you were uh we didn't you weren't that. exactly we going and forming yourself that. with multiple sources on the right. politics of the day and and how governance was run right it's something that you mature to when you start to see it and in their defense what are they getting they're getting bombarded with the opinions of the bubble Right, they're watching their news on comedy shows uh, that are de decidedly one-sided. Right. They're going to colleges, and remember, everyone needs to go to college, and they're getting, you know, inculcated with uh, an extreme view, um, and they're coming out and questioning what they're learning and what they're actually seeing in the real world, and and to that, remember what they're seeing. You know, they're seeing uh, they saw their parents and their grandparents uh, get laid off, have their pensions taken away, have, have big corporations absolutely uh, ruin, destroy people, right? Right, destroy people. So why would they have loyalty to a corporation? Why would they not bounce job to job and take care of themselves? Right. Um, right. You know, because that's kind of the trend. And, and like you said, we deserve that. The, mm -hmm. the corporations, the, I think it's coming full circle. We're starting right. to take care of people better and stuff like that. But they need that time to figure those things out and and I love what you just said you know what they're seeing right now is a great lesson in real reality and real economics and and the power of what people can do when um, barriers are removed right and, and that entrepreneurship can go out and do what, you know the American spirit and that and not American but the human spirit when it's unleashed can really uh, change the world and they're seeing it so it's they're probably in a, a state of uh, for most of us, the first cognitive time dissonance, right? For what they're being taught, what they're, what is being made fun of, and what they're really seeing in the real world, and and that, and I hope that they'll come around too. My fear, as yours, and yours, is 
is that the entrenchment of views um, in many of them um, is so deep that they won't be able to um, they won't be able to figure that out because uh, and I heard of, of all people Alan Dershowitz who you know uh, I, I don't know if you can get more left than him but at least he has an intellectual integrity um, I heard him on the news the other day and, and, and he's right his fear is that entire generation is being taught um, what to think not how to think and worse and worse um, they're not they're being taught to be completely intolerant of the discussion right, yes. right. Um, and he's afraid of of those people then getting into power not today but 30 years from now sure. when when the thought of a counter argument is offensive to a point of um, criminal criminalization which is which is the the scariest thing we can possibly have in that and, and remember I don't take that venom out on the Millennials right now I take them out on uh, the people who are feeding them that right right and I think to a good a, a good point again back to what Denny said about you know they're seeing they're seeing proof now these kids are starting to see something that they've only heard about they've only heard us for the last eight years say this is how a capitalistic economy works you give pe money to the people because for the last eight years they've heard the new reality is two percent growth and this is as good as it's going to get right so they've heard us on the on the other side of that narrative saying no this is how it really works but they've never seen it they've just heard talk now they're actually seeing proof of it they're seeing what's going on now will that be enough to sway I think it'll be enough to sway a good number of them because now the, the light bulb's going to go off and now the questions are going to arise. Well, okay, now I see this, I heard this, maybe everything I've been listening to up to this point isn't quite right. Now maybe I should do some thinking of my own. At least that's what I hope. Mm -hmm. I truly hope that too. And yeah, I'm going to give everybody the, we're at basically a six, seven, eight minute mark here. I've always encouraged my own kids to to question everything. If you're not satisfied with an answer, question it. Don't ever hold that back. And Wayne, exactly to your point, I see so much of, of the, the younger generation being told how to think, not learn how to think. They're not being taught that it is okay to question. It's okay to explore. And that's what these conversations are for. I know this is only episode four of this, uh, but the whole point of this is to give everybody an example that you can have a conversation about a pretty tough topic. And I would, it would have been fun to have Bob here, who's joined us a few times. Right. Because um, he, yeah, he, he is, he's a millennial. Right. And, uh, it would have been fun to hear a little bit of his point of view, but it, the point is, it's okay to have really tough, really difficult conversations that don't devolve into demonstrations that are brought about like Antifa and, and having those uh, romanticized. Denny, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, we don't need to be pounding each other over the head and we want to have these conversations and uh, encourage people to, to just start talking about this stuff. And it's okay, if you wanna scream and yell, that's okay, because sometimes you may feel like you need to scream and yell to be heard 
and we need to recognize the fact that they're screaming and yelling we're not hearing what they're trying to say sure. and and at the same time it would be nice if maybe we start you know if, if we in turn say hey you're not hearing what I'm trying to say you're not listening there's a difference between hearing and listening a huge difference right John go in, ahead in that same conversation that I was having with um, the young gal I tend that I happen to be related to she made the statement or asked the question well isn't it okay for colleges and universities to restrict those who speak on their campuses I said no it's not ever they're not why because they're public institutions they're government institutions they're run by money taken through the tax rolls confiscated they're public and that's the first thing number two the university and the college is where it is you should be exposed to contrarian points of view, whether it be socialist, communist, capitalist, what have you. I reject the dichotomy that a person has to choose between the capitalist, which will, which will move operations and extinguish your life, versus the communist that will put a bullet in your head. Right? If I have to choose between those two, I will choose the capitalist because at least I have a chance. The communist, I know I absolutely am going to wind up in a two foot by two foot box with three inch nails sticking out and I will have to stand there until it is I pass out. That is what they do. That is who they are. And socialism is just a milder form of that. And that is the problem. I will take, I will take the capitalist because you have free will in the capitalist system. You can reform the capitalist system. You can introduce humanity by choosing how to spend your dollars in the capitalist system. The communists will say, no, you will comply or I will force you to comply. If you will not be forced to comply, I will kill you. And if we talk to our people, that our neighbors and our friends, our coworkers, who've come over from Eastern Europe, and I used to work with a lot of them. They said, John, you have no idea what these people would do. It was absolutely incredible. This one fellow, his dad, they were from Romania. His dad spent 20 years in a cell that was three foot by four foot by four foot. And that's where they kept him because he was an artist and a poet and he spoke out against the government. You know, one thing I'll say too, but the thing that scares me with kids is your point in a public university they should be able to hear everything it shouldn't be it shouldn't be filtered right. you know if I if I want to just hear one thing I can go to a private university the, the thing is most kids can't afford a private university so they're in a public so that's really scary when they're only hearing speakers from one side their professors are 90% from one side I mean when I was in college I, I would I couldn't tell you political views of any of my professors because they didn't promote it when I was a kid and you heard, you know, uh, a Walter Cronkite, you didn't know based on what he was reporting if he was left or right, Democrat, Republican. I mean, most of them then didn't didn't push what they were. Today, when when 90%, the latest research, 90% of the stories in 2017 were negative on Donald Trump. I don't care if you love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump, 90% of what he did was not bad. You know, I mean, you just can't factually say that. Right. But when, when we're scared that they're only hearing from one source, so let's say they turn the channel from channel 5 to channel 7, they're going to hear that same thing. Then they go over to channel 2, they're hearing that, you know, so when 90% of what's being fed to them is coming from a hard side, that's not good for anybody. It wouldn't be good if it was 90% coming from a right or a Republican side. You know, you need, you need a free press. That actually is, I mean, you know, I, I love Fox News. When I watch Brett Baer, I couldn't tell you 
if Brett Baer is a Democrat or a Republican. You know, because that's not, he's a news show. He's reporting the news. Now, when I watch Sean Hannity, I know Sean Hannity is a conservative, but he's not reporting, he's not a news show, he's an opinion show. Right. So, you know, I don't care what Chris... has been lost between the two. Yes. That's the problem. That is a huge problem. There's a, there is no definition now of opinion versus fact, news, this, pointing at, you know what? Today at 9.43 a.m., Pete picked up a little weird-looking vase bucket thing and (laughs) was holding sunflowers. That's just what is happening. Look at what he did to the sunflowers. Now you're going to the opinion side, and nobody can tell (laughs) the difference. But but this is why there, to me, I smile, and I I do have hope. It gets me frustrated, too, um, because of the confirmation bias that is in, in, in large shaping society right now. The Internet helps that. I have an opinion. I go search out. I, I say I'm going to do research, but all I'm doing is confirming my, my beliefs. And guess what? There's some tinfoil wearing hat person on the right or the left who's going to confirm whatever it is that I want sure. to believe, mm-hmm. which just strengthens and anchors my, my belief system. I'm not actually exposing myself to other points of view. And we can get mad at the media all day, um, but this is where I kind of have the hope and I, I kind of smile and laugh because that cognitive dissonance between reality and between a bubble's opinion, it will manifest itself in, in this realm. When, when you see a person come out and meet halfway on an, on, a, on an issue like immigration and say, I'll find a way to legalize 1.8 million people if we get this, this, and this, and the response is, you're making America white again. Anyone who looks at that with an honest you know, viewpoint will see the ridiculousness in the argument. The latest uh, uh, article I just saw that came out of this academic bubble was that yoga is racist. You know, it's like people, <laughs> I knew it. and I smile because, oh, and God. I smile because the, the 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 percentage of people who will read this stuff and go, yes, you know, and 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 actually take that serious. But the majority of people who who might be being swayed right now to be on one political side or the other. Look at the ridiculousness, the the complete and utter bias, lack of logic. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. It's, it's just the insanity of the arguments. And go, okay, wait a minute. What did you really? You know, get that from? I'm really on the side. So as people mature, as their brains develop, remember, uh, brain science tells us that the human brain doesn't even fully develop until about 24, 25 years old. In my case, it was. Well, <laughs> yeah, still in my hasn't. case, it was 34. <laughs> I was um, in my 40s. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind when when people are going to go out and look. Today, ten years ago, it was uh, it was a hidden veil, um, where we weren't talking about socialism. We were talking about no, we're uh, um, we're not socialists, but 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 the position was socialist. They couldn't even come out and say what it was. Where today, they're flat out telling you, I'm a socialist. That's a good thing, because now they can look at it for what it really is, not a trick. You know, it's, it's not a magic show. I'm really a socialist, but I'm not uh, telling you I'm a socialist. I'm going to get in power, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say certain things, and I'm going to veil who I really am, and then I'm going to come in and do this. Now they're flat out open with it, which is good. Let's see what it really is. You know, let's talk about what it really means. And on that note, I'm going to wrap up on Wayne's takeaway of hope and the fact that we can actually have this kind of discussion 
and and say this is what socialism is and look at it sincerely look at it openly what capitalism is uh, but we need to wrap up now gentlemen thank you very much for May joining I say me one quick thing one make it real quick okay. real quick what I want to say is that I was I learned a long time ago that you don't just ask a question you ask the right question and keep asking until you get the right answer that you're looking for and that doesn't mean you, you look you have to listen to um, if you have to listen to 50 different uh, people to talk about it you listen to them but you ask the right question don't just don't just sit by and, and let things go by you. Ask the right question. Ask the right question. Looks like we've got some hope. And we're demonstrating the fact that you can have an open freaking discussion without devolving into violence. Again, thank you very much for joining thank me. You. Civil thank Tension, you. Episode 4. Not sure what we'll title this one yet, but awesome discussion. Thanks. Very cool. Thank you. Okay, good job.